Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Pet Sunday School. And to our is that, is that now, right now? Ahora. No, Erorita. Erorita, right now? Yes, yeah. Mac, yes. Here we go. Same thing. Introduction. Whatever you want. Hey, brothers and sisters, siblings, etc. Welcome to Penn Sunday School, coming to you live, pretty much, from Show Creator Studio South, pretty much. I'm your uh, AirSats host, Matt King, along with our pal Hondro, uh, keeping Penn in line. Uh, we're going to, uh, you know, try to teach Hondro some English and us some <laughs> English, too. Uh, here he is preaching love, nothing but love, Penn Gillette. Yeah, preaching love. Nicely done, Mac King. Nicely done. What we were doing as the uh, music started was we were trying to discuss. Uh, now, uh, Eorita. Ahora. Can you say Eorita? Is that right now? Eor, uh, uh, right now is ahora mismo. Ahora mismo. Uh, so it's. Eorita sounds like a little bit of time or something. I don't know. What is that? What is, is, that is that a word? Latin American. Ahorita. Oh, yeah, we don't, don't cotton to that. Tequila, yeah, we don't. Yeah, yeah, ahora yeah. mismo. Yeah, yeah. Right <laughs> now, ahora mismo. Yes, it, here we it. are in Penn School, Escuela de Penn. Hey. <laughs> Howdy, 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 we hey, say. Yeah. Howdy, I am king. Yes. <laughs> That's great that we have howdy and uh we have we have the two different two different dialects, <laughs> but all speaking the same language of love. You know, um uh uh what why don't you talk, Mac, about the uh, the worst trick you ever did, do you think? The worst trick I, I ever mean, did. You Man. originally started out as a Viking, right? A Viking? Well, no, that's not true. Okay. I said I was from Belgium. Right. <laughs> but for some reason, I wore a Viking helmet. Now, was that a uh, reference to Moondog? Uh, no, it wasn't a reference to anything. Uh, I found this helmet with horns, and I thought it was funny. <laughs> and uh do you know anything about this hondro no oh yeah when i first early on i mean not first when i first started i you know i wore overalls mm -hmm. and was a hillbilly because yeah. i was a, a hillbilly and then i got away from that and said i was from belgium and i spoke with a funny accent uh-huh and did magic that way and then and I did this burnt bill routine where a guy's bill was accidentally burnt up. And so I would do this accent. And then when the guy's bill was burnt, I would come out of the accent and start talking like Matt King and say, oh, I'm so. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform, supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. So I don't know what to do now. 
And so that was, in my brain, a convincer that the guy's money had actually been burnt. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but the worst, tra- I wish you, I, you know, you sprung that right on me. The worst, I mean, there's so many. Isn't terrible it amazing tricks. how many bad ideas you look back on? And here's the thing I think this might be true for everybody, but it's certainly true for me and Teller. Um, Teller is one of the most tenacious people I've ever met. Uh, his uh, his Native American name would be Terrier with a Slipper. <laughs> Teller will not give up. I mean, if you say to Teller, you're going to walk across the room and pick up that candy wrapper, and he walks three steps, and you take a baseball bat, and you crack him directly in the face and break his nose and his teeth fall out, he will fall to the ground. Keep going. He will get up. He will shake his head. And covered with blood, with teeth hanging out of his mouth, he will walk across the room and pick up that piece of paper. Because that was the goal he set out to. Now, as I'm very fond of saying, all of our best qualities are all of our worst qualities. So, what I try to teach my children is quit. Because I and Teller will not quit. And there's a lot of good about that. But it means that we have not just done a bit that didn't work for a night. We've done bits that didn't work, that we knew didn't work. We knew didn't work. We knew we're failing and couldn't figure out a way to fix. And we've done them for months. Right. Yeah. In the the belief, at least for me on those occasions, in the belief that I will have some amazing inspiration Mm -hmm. while I'm doing it. In mm-hmm. front of people. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I fixed it today, finally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, part of that, I think, is you have good faith in yourself, right? And mm-hmm. that you, you know, you think, oh, well, you know, I've been in this situation where the idea was shit and then I thought of something and the idea wasn't shit anymore. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's, that's then, what, that's what ruins you. Yeah. You know, um, it's, uh, the strongest, uh, the strongest motivator is intermittent reinforcement. Constant reinforcement does not work, but intermittent reinforcement, as we're talking from Las Vegas, really does work. If you get a dopamine hit, you know, a dopamine hit uh, every third time, you're there forever. If you get it every time, you're not necessarily. Um, so well, yeah. we talked about this, and it, we, about, uh, and in my brain, at least, it comes from you talking to Phyllis Diller. Mm-hmm. Right about yeah. yeah, her saying to you what, what uh, if I, I if I if something isn't easy I quit yeah yeah Phyllis Diller's great great comedian uh, I think one of the most important comedians of the late twentieth century um, really along with Joan Rivers who they don't get enough credit for what they did for women uh, in the country but um, uh, Phyllis Diller I mean, was an inspiration to my mom you know my mom would just say she's up there with Bob Hope you know she's a big huge star. And, you know, my mother's attitude was just Phyllis Diller was a real hero. So it's very sad because I, I got to know Phyllis after my mom was dead. And I remember going into uh, Phyllis's closet with all her wigs and her dresses that my mother had seen her wear on the Hollywood Palace and the Ed Sullivan Show. And I just was, I was ripped to pieces because my mom never got to uh, know what? that I knew Phyllis Diller. But Phyllis Diller, I mean, another path to success. She was a copyright editor, wasn't great at it, quit. She was, she did like 10 jobs. They weren't easy. 
She walked on stage as a stand-up. It was easy. She went with that. Another good way to look at it, you know. Uh, Johnny Depp was a uh, guitar player, a singer, a model, a writer, an actor, and waited until one of them hit. <laughs> right, yeah. But yeah. I mean, that. yeah. The- but then there's the other way, just not giving up. And I'm bad. I am bad at not giving up. I mean, I, I was on Little League. I hated baseball. The team hated me. My parents thought I should quit. I did three years because <laughs> I signed up and I didn't feel I should quit. My parents raised me to not quit. And it was a big mistake. Wow. So but, you, at, even as, even that young, you had a contract, a baseball contract. Unbelievable. <laughs> I felt I did. Yeah, yeah. And my dad would sit down with me and go, Ben, you're not enjoying this. I said, yeah, but I, I said I was going to do it. I told you I was going to play baseball. He said, it means nothing to me. I don't like baseball. And I said, I said I was going to do it, dad, and I'm going to do it. Uh, uh, okay. But, you know, no one cares if you quit because you're not good. <laughs> right. No one needs you. You know, he would say stuff to me that bluntly, and i just go, I made a promise I'm going to do it. Which is why, as bad as I am in Spanish, I actually have a chance of learning. You will, you will. But are you, I, have you done really, really, have, have you, because Hondro, you know, we've been having him come to the show every night, and every night he gives notes after the show and you seem to have um your view seems to be so utilitarian Mm -hmm. teller and i tend to very quickly become incredibly pretentious and we go right to the heart of what we want to be doing and what johnny johnny thompson was fabulous at is he would say uh and not many people can say this to me with enough love that i can hear it he would say, you know, Penn, it's a great idea. And there's great turns of phrases in there. But you know, put in some fucking jokes and make the trick work. Because your idea <laughs> is nothing without the trick and the jokes. So how about a joke? I don't mean a great idea. I mean a joke. And uh, I could hear that from Johnny. Whereas other people, I would just, uh, bullshit, you don't get it. We're trying to get a good idea here. And Hondo, you also have that. Are you as utilitarian on your own stuff, or do you, will you grab onto an idea that no one likes and ride forever? Uh, if if I think it will work, mm-hmm. I go until the end. <laughs> the, the the hardest thing I've ever done was my second fullest. The second fullest. Uh-huh. What trick was that? I don't it, it was the Lego portrait. I Por- threw. I threw. Pen and I threw. A br- little bricks of Lego to a uh, white canvas. Just yeah. so, just so that we make sure that the accent is getting the way Legos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Legos. Yeah. How, Legos. I, know, I know you got it, but because he made the gesture, <laughs> people listening might not know. He had a portrait of Teller done in yeah. Legos. Yes. That we threw uh, little pieces at, and it fell apart. And it, it appeared, and he was holding a card that they were thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah I just couldn't remember. Okay, but that 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 bit mm-hmm. was the worst. And there was, I, I only did it because I had already said to the producers I was going to go. Yeah. So sometimes, most of the times, I say I'm going to do it. I never know how, but I've already given my word. And I have to because there's a date and I have mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. And if it had, I didn't have that date, I would never do it. 
the 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 night before well some days before going it everything broke in spain we were almost always almost crying there because we didn't it was not going to work in tv we fixed it and the day before doing it on fullas and i have a video i will show it later <laughs> I, a friend of mine in the hotel in the rio he, i told him come and i show it to you because i had never done the trick to anyone so and he said okay we we threw all the bricks to the canvas and because there was carpet in the in the floor i had never done that trick with carpet so uh it didn't slip the were this the easel mm -hmm. it didn't slip so it went back and forward and the canvas went to the floor and broke and broke and maybe 12 hours later we had to do it in fullas <laughs> my my friend was blank blank he he went white he, white white and he said blanco blanco <laughs> he said what are we going to do and i say let's go to it and we went to it and then i spent all night fixing the the campus again and uh, it was terrible 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 but it went i i, I always yeah. i always until the last moment i keep doing things i read a book about um it's it's called creativity of john cleese john, oh, john cleese. cleese yeah yeah that little have, book have yeah it's really book? nice i yeah, love yeah, it yeah i yeah. love it i love it yeah i usually don't like little books of books about yeah. creativity no but I this don't one need, is very this nice yeah i like I, it too. i recommend yeah. it i have to read it i have to read it, it yeah. it's very nice to read uh, and he i found there something i've read many books of creativity they are usually very boring all except creative yeah. <laughs> but this book i don't know why be maybe because it's small or maybe because it's john cleese i don't know but i think it's I both, both, <laughs> both. Yeah, yeah. i found something in that for me it's a treasure that that uh, that he says uh, there's a study or something about creative uh, architects and the most creative architects are the ones that uh, don't give an answer at the beginning uh, I'm going to do this like this. Mm -hmm. They say, until when can I tell you the answer? The, the, mm -hmm. give you the, because they know that this, the brain is working already in that idea. And as long, and they know, creative people know that they will get better idea as the date comes near mm -hmm. because uh, you are getting more information and you are willing to get a better idea and do it, doing it better. So if maybe I have a, in a month, for example, Fulas, and I tell you, I'm going to do this trick this way, I'm missing one month of creative right. work and, and, and doing it one detail more, one detail more, one detail more. And, and of course, John Cleese explains it much better than me. <laughs> in English. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I, but I think that's, uh, you know, that's being willing, the way that you put that, I think it's important, at least in my brain, being willing to have a better idea, yeah, because, to take a better idea yeah, but, is is but, very crazily important. Because I mean, so many people, you, it's like, nah, I'm done, you know, or you know, I thought of it already. But for example, in the in this second fullas, I was the trick was another. I mean, I only wanted to make the portrait of Taylor appear. And then the card that was in the portrait was a physical, normal playing card, uh -huh. a card of See. art. But then, as, as time was getting closer, I said, this makes no sense because there are no cards in the trick. 
-hmm. this card has to be legalized. It has to be with bricks. Mm -hmm. So that made me change the technique and the method, everything. Because as, 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 as time got closer to the date, the brain continued working and it made, makes it more tight. And, and for me, that's good. That's what I do. Well, I love the fact that once you get an idea and you're working on it, that you do all this work when you're not working. I yeah. love that yeah. part of it. Yeah. I love the part that you come back a day later and go, wait a minute, it's clearer. When did I do this work? Oh, it was like in the shower and sleeping. Yeah. That's, that's why I do so many siestas in Spain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's why I take I'm creating, so many I'm showers. creating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah we said uh, we, we did our uh, Saturday Night Live. We, um, we, went, we, we, we were doing it um, once a month. We did Saturday Night Live for a year, once a month. We had to have a different trick. And we went to Lauren and we pitched the whole water tank to Lauren Michaels. We'll have Teller in the Houdini water tank. He'll be submerged. He'll be drowning. I'll try to do a card trick. I won't be able to do it. He'll drown, and then we'll have a punchline there. Lawrence said, great, do it. This is fabulous. And then we had, we had nothing, absolutely nothing. No idea of how to keep Teller alive. No idea how to do the card trick, nothing. And uh, we had a month to do it. It was great. We got called up by, um, by the president of NBC, who said, uh, called me up personally and said, uh, what trick have you always wanted to do that you've never been able to do? And I said, well, when I was at clown college, I <laughs> said, NBC president of NBC <laughs> likes to hear the first sentence out of your mouth. When I was at clown college, <laughs> uh, I, uh, want to do a bit where an 18 wheeler ran over a clown, just a clown laid down 18 wheeler ran over him. And it had to do with me making fun of the rules of clowning, that there had to be um, a surprise, trickery, stupidity, a blow-off, right? So I wanted to follow all the rules, but make an absurd situation. So when they came to me during the class on composition, <laughs> I gave my truck gag. Um, guy comes out, says, would you lay down in front of this truck so I could run over you? The cloud says yes. Stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it went on like that. I went through the whole thing. So I told him that. And he said, "Okay, uh, I'll give you the money. Let's do a trick where uh, a truck runs over Teller." I said, "Good." So then Teller and I had to figure out how to run an eighteen wheeler over Teller's chest uh, on Sixth Avenue in front of Radio City Music Hall in New York, and. Uh, that kind of pressure is really uh, is really wicked, wicked fun. And we've had, it's very important to point out that we have had great ideas that we pushed and sold and got the money for and got the time for and the deadline for and failed absolutely miserably by every point of view. See, it's important. Your story is, is this heroic phoenix rising from the flames. You failed in your hotel room that came perfectly on TV. We've done, uh, we've, we've done uh, failing on TV live. Maybe I have more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there used to be a prop from that trick hanging on your wall. Is that gone? The prop from what? The running over the 
Uh, we still have it somewhere. The big, the big foam tire. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. didn't want to say that. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, we count- that one. I didn't feel like that was mine. We counterweighted the whole truck mm-hmm. so that it, the the weight of it was uh, it was twice as wide as it you thought it was, and it could run over. And it was it was it was a pretty beautiful trick. It was pretty beautiful. And I had to uh, learn to drive an eighteen wheeler. Wow. Because um, not easy, as 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 Ready Rich will be able to tell you. Although you were driving one at nine, right? Yes, very early. <laughs> but uh, what you drove? He drove an eighteen wheeler at nine years old. He he actually drove it. Or he he just he, sat up there and went eh, eh, pulled the horn. My dad was a transportation manager, and he had a little person that drove for him with a special truck. So he taught me how to drive it. Wow! Wow! At the nine. And nine years yeah. old, he had to drive an eighteen wheeler. But there's a lot of uh, you know gears and shit. <laughs> that's what that's the that's what they call it too. Yeah, and you know I was having to drive um, very particularly, uh, yeah, right over Teller. You know, it was a, it was a little bit of tension involved. There was risk. No, no. Uh, there was, as always, there was huge risk of embarrassment, humiliation, trick not working. There was no risk of killing Teller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's something I believe very strongly in, uh, that there shouldn't be any real risk. And I know we have, you know, uh, David Blaine, Chris Angel, a lot of people uh, disagree with that. But I want to point out Houdini did not disagree with that. Houdini did not do risky things. You know, I don't, I never mind getting hurt. Yeah, no, no. But, people get hurt accidentally, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you can have true accidents but yeah okay. you should never build into a trick that we have to do this exactly right or it won't be you know yeah 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 i mean it's a spectrum though i mean sure i cut i cut rope in half yeah and I've, i have scars yeah, all over my Whoa. fucking hand wow, <laughs> you shouldn't perform more <laughs> but the, but not life-threatening no not, yeah. not at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know i almost died one time Doing a Houdini thing. Tell us about it. it, it I, 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 well, you know the milk can. Sure. Okay. Well, for those who don't know, Houdini did a milk can escape, and we don't know what a milk can is now. Yeah. But, uh, but in Houdini's day, they would put milk in these uh, uh, large, Huge. but not for a person, <laughs> small for a person, large for milk uh, containers that Houdini escaped from while full of milk. So go ahead. You can. And I, I bought it from Cannon's Great Escapes here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And they sent me first to sign a paper, a legal paper, saying that if I got harmed or died, it was my responsibility. Mm-hmm. I said, ah, okay, I, I did it. I got the can and I, um, I decided to do it with real milk. Houdini did it with water. Mm-hmm. I'm better than Houdini, you sure, know. Of I course, of course. So, so I did it. It's funnier too with real milk. <laughs> yeah, it's it smells. It's, I know, I know why he didn't do it. But I did it for a TV special in Spain in in Christmas. Christmas. Because Christmas is the day of milk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's, the, that's the third day of Christmas. Leche dia. Yeah. Eight maids. Oh, it's the eighth Let's day. Say. Eight maids milking. Yeah. I Let's think. Is, he actually he did it with human mother's milk, too, for the right, eight maids right. of milking. Yeah. Leche dia. It's called leche dia. Right? Leche dia. Leche. 
Leche buena, leche buena. And, uh, uh, it was a TV program, of course, there were many things. So the people in, uh, in production decided to keep the milk outside. Uh -huh, sure. Outside, it was snowing in Madrid. Uh-huh. Oh, cry. Oh, oh, Jesus. Yeah. You see, oh, yeah. Jesus. No, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> y adios. <laughs> so I decided I didn't know this little detail of the zero degrees milk. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know because when we rehearsed, I, it, it came was, right from the mother. No, it was 98.6. It, it was cold. Yeah. It was normal. So I had a neopreno. You know neopreno? Neoprene? Yeah, yeah, neoprene. yeah like yeah. a wetsuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. I, it was not long. It was the short one. So and, the sexy one. Yeah. The, and uh, not a thick one, a thin, because, of yeah. course, I didn't need you more. You want them to Bro see the outline of your... Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> Probably. My build-up. I, I work out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So I went... See that 12-pack. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to have one, but a good one. <laughs> so I went there. Okay, we did... We filled everything. And when I got there, inside the milk, I said, <gasps> oh, oh, it's a bit cold. <laughs> and then I did like this, up to the head. I, I introduced... And my lungs uh, crashed. Right. I, I couldn't breathe. I, I, something I had never experienced in my life. It was like if you were pressing my chest. So it's I... A chest. A, a chest. <laughs> uh, a chest. And Chicago. Chicago chest. <laughs> so I told my, my assistant... Very seriously, very quickly. And he looked at me like saying, what's going on? So I tried to get air and go down and I couldn't. And I went up and I said, okay, okay. I went down, they filled up the can up to the top. They put the thing, the lid, mm -hmm. and they closed it. And there inside the milk, I started to... Shiver, you mm -hmm. say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so my mind changed and I thought, I'm not going to die because of the milk, drowning. I'm going to die frozen. Yeah. So my the only idea I had at that moment, the only idea was to move very fast my, my hands through mm -hmm. my legs and body. And that made little waves and... I uh, th that went inside my mouth, mm -hmm. like milk inside your mouth, and yeah. So I was uh, frozen and drowning mm -hmm. at the same time. Was your original name for Penn and Teller, freezing <laughs> and drowning. And I vo I vomited inside. Uh -huh. vomited. And I, no, I vomited. Vo is good. Vomited. 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 That's worse. Yeah, very no better. Very worse. Very worse. <laughs> And I, I got uh, dizzy, you say? Yeah, dizzy. Dizzy is good. And I started not to know where I was. Uh-huh. And I only knew that at 1 minute 30, I had to do something. Mm-hmm. But I didn't... I was... Uh, my mind was... So in that, so when you rehearsed this... Yeah. You gave yourself a minute and a half. Yeah, I, yes, because yeah. I was there, you know, you have a little space. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but if yeah. you are doing waves, you don't have space. You are drinking milk, you are vomiting. Yeah. It was horrible. And I didn't, I was 
very, I didn't know what's going on. And I heard the MC outside saying, 40 seconds, 45. And then I said, oh, one th and when I heard 130, I, boom, I went out as I could. I, at 130, the, the curtain went down because everyone was looking at the milk. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't go out because we are stupid. If you are dying, we prefer not them to see the trick. Right. <laughs> we are very, I could have gone out and say, sorry, I'm not going to do it. But I prefer to die. Yeah. And at 130, the cloth went down. I went out how I could. And at two minutes, everything went down. I, oh, I was out. Everyone was clapping. And I went. I went to the hospital. To, no, I went to the side. The MC was telling to come back. And I, I was disoriented. I didn't know what was going on. I went, I said hello one time. I went to the, out of the shooting place and I went running to a shower and I put all boiling water on top of me. And I was in, thrown in the, in the, like this, like a little child. In the fetal, fetal position. In the fetal position, crying. Mm -hmm. And I decided not to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's it's re amazing that we have the same story. You did that Teller, with, with, tell, with Teller and Paul. I. Teller and I uh, pitched to uh, Fox, I think, for a New Year's Eve special. At Christmas. <laughs> that we would do uh, a champagne glass escape. Uh -huh. And we were going to do a giant champagne glass that was like Houdini escaped from milk. Mm -hmm. We're going to escape from champagne. It was a giant champagne glass. And it was really confusing. This is one of our worst appearances. <laughs> uh, it is unwatchable. It was on live TV. Yeah, I, I don't. I never heard anything about this. It's a, I don't know anything about the two this. worst things: are the champagne glass and the Electric Boy were the two worst things we ever did. Um, and uh, unwatchable. We are fortunate that the um, Saturday Night Live Electric Boy was a Christmas special and hasn't been shown much since because it was terrible. And that involved almost taking out all the cameras at NBC and short circuits and stuff. It was terrible. And the champagne glass, the idea was, okay, that Teller and I were non-drinkers. We were escaping from champagne. We went in, chained up, had to do the locks, but we got a little bit drunk with the champagne going into our system, we couldn't do it, and then we would be pulled out and taken in ambulances. And that was the gag. That was what was supposed to happen. That was the joke of it, right? Right. Um, so or, you didn't get out because you got drunk by osmosis. Right. That was yeah, the gag. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. thought that was really funny. Yeah. And then the ambulance would be dealing with us, and that was the whole thing. Uh, you'd see us try to do the escape, but we hadn't figured out how to warm up the water, and it was Connecticut in the winter. New Year's Eve. It was being shot in like New Haven, Connecticut. And you're outside. Outside, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we got into the water and went instantly into hypothermia yes. and into tremors yes. and couldn't function. And everybody was following the script and wondering why we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing. And then the ambulances had to end up treating us for hypothermia, which they were prop ambulances and weren't really supposed to. And we went into convulsions, just, just like you did, Convul convulsions. And uh, it was hypothermia. And it was 
terrifying. I had no idea where I was, completely disoriented, <laughs> shaking all over, <laughs> and on live TV. <laughs> yes, yes, that and with a bad idea that if it had gone perfectly, wouldn't have gone right. Uh, and then another New Year's Eve show, because we don't learn, um, we did the exact same thing. I mean, it's, it's so weird. I hadn't realized the level of my stupidity. But um, we were hosting New Year's Eve from Times Square in New York. Mm -hmm. And we had a throw to different people. We had Kennison, Sam Kennison in New Orleans. And we had Guns N' Roses in Florida, mm -hmm. right? And in Guns N' Roses' performance in Florida, uh, Axel Rose was in boxer shorts and sneakers and, um, and uh, a T-shirt. Okay, that's all he was wearing for that. So, so Teller and I throw to Axel Rose, right? And we are on the top of Times Square One, the whole building where the ball drops. Mm -hmm. We're up on there. And it's snowing a little bit, and it's freezing cold. And we're watching, um, and we were doing this live, right? So it's just, you're improvising. We had a lot of bits to do. We're improvising. <laughs> and, and I go, oh, Axel Rose is in boxer shorts. If they came back to us in Times Square in boxer shorts, that would be really funny. Until it goes, yeah, let's go. Okay. So we're up there with cameramen and all this stuff, and Teller and I... It's snowing. Start stripping, right? And the, everybody's going, what are you guys doing? Here we go, this would be a funny bit. Funny, we're saying to the sound guy, just clip the mic on me, you know, because we know he's doing knocking on heaven's door, and we know it's a five-minute hunk or something. Hello, Miami, you know, all that stuff. So we got five minutes to do this. So we strip down to just boxer shorts and bare feet in the snow in Times Square. <laughs> in our t-shirts and we're going this is going to be really funny and the producer and the cameraman are going i don't i don't know how funny this is guys i don't know you know axel rose people know you're in new york oh yeah that's the whole idea what's the idea guys why well, that's the idea just just throw it at me that's the idea <laughs> so we go um thank you axel you inspired us here we are in Times square we're stripped out too it's uh it's whatever the temperature was that's how cold it is. And now we're going to go after this. We'll be back. We'll go to Sam Kennison in New Orleans. And they go, uh, okay, we're out. We're in a commercial. And we go, <laughs> and we're trembling so badly. And they say, we got to get your clothes on to, uh, to do the next spot. And tell her, like, oh, we can't get our clothes on. So sound men are having to dress us. I mean, we really can't move our fingers. So people try to say, who can tie a tie backwards? And it's all being done like this. And meanwhile, people are going, but we got to get them into the warmth. And they go, well, they haven't got shoes on. We can't put their shoes on till their pants are on. And the people are going like, two minutes. And we're going like, we got to get, we got to get dressed. And it comes back. And we were just going, we're Penitentiary, and our clothes are half off us. And then we throw to Kennison, and they kind of pick us up and drag us into the warmth where we have like seven minutes of uh, Kennison. It was, uh, Teller and I have almost frozen to death twice. Wow. Have you ever frozen to death, Matt King? I haven't frozen to death, but the coldest I've ever been was, uh, I forget the two, there's like the Natural History Museum and some other museum on Lake Michigan in Chicago. 
Where where is that? Oh yeah, Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> that was your best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was really <laughs> good. I was <laughs> I was trying to say it as him, not as you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we were there some winter with our daughter, and we decided to walk from one museum to the other along Lake Michigan. It was thirteen below uh, normal temperature, but on Lake Michigan, whatever it was, and yeah, it was like I mean, it was if you if we decided to make some horrible torture of our eight-year-old child. <laughs> we couldn't have done better or worse, depending on how you look at it, than walking along the shore of Lake Michigan in the wind and the snow. Now, add to that, <laughs> yeah. you're on live TV. Yeah, that's right. We weren't live TV. And the idea you have is not that good to begin with. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Stamps.com has supported this show since 20. 12. I can't believe there's anybody that's ever listened to this show that doesn't already have Stamps.com. It is the greatest, greatest service ever. Whether you're selling online, running an office, or a side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. 40% off regular postage, 76% off UPS. Amazing. And it goes for all over the world. When you want to send something to Spain, like I will be sending something to Spain. I have a gift for you that I'm going to send. And uh, I'm going to send it to Spain because it won't be done by the time you leave. And uh, I'm going to send it with stamps.com. You can hand deliver mine. Okay, I can. can. Uh, Mac Mac will bring it. (laughs) Going to the post office instead of using stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Uh, It's really, really, really worth it. I I love stamps.com so much. Save time and money this holiday season with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PEN for a special office that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. It really is great. You use stamps.com, Mike? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you probably don't have it in Spain. I don't know what you are talking about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Just go to stamps.com, click the mic from the top of the page, and enter code P-E-N-N. Pam. Yeah. <laughs> Was that your impersonation of my name with an American accent? Pen. There you go. Really good. You're, you're learning. Your English I, is yeah, really good. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yep. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. So, you you you've never frozen to death professionally. I've never frozen to death professionally. I have. Uh, you should I've try. Almost had like heat exhaustion, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, you know, passing out from heat. But I've never. We did a show outdoors with the um, 
would it be the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra? Maybe. Yeah. I think it was. Maybe. I think it was in Atlanta. It was outdoors during the summer, and it was Penn and Teller and the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, and it was outdoors, and it was uh, well over a hundred degrees. And I remember I was wearing uh, my suit, and I was wearing uh, cowboy boots. That time I wore cowboy boots during the show with a kind of a not nice and high heel kind of kind of. It was really cool. And because uh, I saw Bob Dylan, and I saw him in a show, and I realized that his cowboy boots had such a cool heel on them that I could see light through oh, his cowboy boots. Instepped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I said I got to get them, so I got them, and I was wearing them, and I remember I didn't ever feel like I had completely sweated through a three-piece suit. And I looked at the uh, at my suit coat, okay? Not the shirt sleeves, the suit coat, and it was moist all the way across because I'd been sweating through everything. And then I looked down, and there was moisture on the outside of my cowboy boots. I'd sweated through cowboy boots. Sweated through leather boots. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We were we were really, really hot and sweaty. And we'd open with uh, Teller doing a straitjacket escape, which he, <laughs> which he came directly from air conditioning, so that was okay. And then from then on, it was, it was just uh, really, really hot. And a great show. We really loved doing it, but boy, we were sweaty. And I was also inspired then. You know, rock and roll has just almost ruined my life because the cowboy boots from Bob Dylan, and then I saw... The Ramones mm -hmm. in Berkeley in an afternoon show outdoors in California in the summer, right? And it was like, you know, 100 degrees. And the Ramones came out, leather jacket stayed zipped up for the first half of the show. And I thought, that is so cool <laughs> because, you know, it was so hot and the Ramones just did not care because the Ramones were run like a military organization. It was amazing. They would measure their jackets backstage with rulers. So they were unzipped the exact same amount, mm -hmm. all four of them. Wow. And they wore their leather jackets until a certain song. And at the end of that, they all took them off simultaneously. And that was a big part of the show. So it didn't matter how hot it was, they stayed in those leather jackets. It was pretty great. Yeah, I mean that's you know same sort of experience. I mean doing, I, I the hottest I remember ever being was in the I did this show in a little theater in uh, uh, Munich, and no air conditioning, and it was crazy hot and packed in. It was a small theater, but they had oversold. It was just packed to the rafters. So you know people heat and no air conditioning, hot outside. I'm wearing three-piece suit. Mine's all wool. Yours probably is too, right? Yeah. 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 Three-piece suit and a tie and a shirt. And I always, I feel cooler if I wear a t-shirt under there too, right? Uh -huh. So I'm wearing a t-shirt, a shirt, <laughs> vest, jacket. And, you know, and I, I, I always have, a, if I'm, I did two shows that night and I always have extra shirts, right? Cause I know I'm going to sweat into those. But I mean, I didn't have two suits and they were, I, mean, I, could, I could like wring my suit out yeah. after the first show. It was crazy. Well, you don't wear, you don't wear heavy clothes in your show. No, 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 because of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. 
I wear I wear a t-shirt, camiseta, camiseta and a jacket, chaqueta, 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 a light yeah. chaqueta. That's all. That's all. Much wiser. Yes. Yeah, much yes, wiser. But although, I mean, I, I'm guessing now, I mean, what people say, don't you get so hot under those lights? I bet it doesn't, you don't even think about it now, right? When you're no, up there in no. air conditioning wearing three-piece suit. Well, it's like, uh, yeah. the air conditioning is so ridiculous in Vegas. I, yeah. I'm happy to put it on. Yes. I'm yes. cold otherwise. Well, the, you never did Letterman, right? No. Yes. No, I didn't. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, I did do Letterman. <laughs> That that that's student, the coldest. That's yeah. the coldest you'll yeah. ever be yeah. in your life. Yes, it's yeah. cold, very cold. Uh, yeah, Letterman, Letterman believed that. Um, I he, agree with this, by the way. He believed cold for comedy. You get a better reaction in comedy if the audience is cold. You don't want them warm because they get comfortable and they kind of dozy. He wanted that way. Also, Letterman wanted it so that in his suit and tie with all the lights on him, mm -hmm. there would never be. Even the slightest drop of sweat, not even the slightest bead, never the slightest bit of moisture. So he kept it at fifty-four degrees. I didn't know the number. Yeah, fifty-four. But I was, you know, they told me to expect being cold. Fifty-four degrees. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Wow. And you'd look out, and the camera people would have parkers on, like they were they were <laughs> they were climbing Everest. Yeah. The whole crew looks like they're climbing Everest, and the audience looks perplexed. They can't <laughs> believe it's that cold. And you really do see, I mean, there are, the guys running the cameras at Letterman would be wearing a down jacket, right? Uh, full, you know, obviously full pants and uh, boots, and then usually some hat with often earmuffs, you know, going over that. And the stagehands would all be in full, full heavy down, down, down stuff. Yeah. And uh, you'd go out there and you'd look at Dave and he would be there in the, the light on him, perfectly cool and comfortable. Wow. And all, the other thing is the down jackets all said late night on them. Dave had given them all these heavy down jackets, which is really funny. That was always the gift every year. We'll give you jackets that you can possibly live in in here, this situation. The chat wants to point out for Hondro's benefit that 54 equals 12. Thank you. Thank you for someone <laughs> thinking. 12. So you know how cold that is. 12 degrees. Yeah. yeah. That's not, not much. The milk was much less. Yeah, of course. Of yes, course. I know. And the so champagne. For, for me, 12, 12 is so hot. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, actually, it probably wasn't. You know, uh, water temperature, liquid temperature. It was. Uh, that cold. When you get hypothermia real early. You get hypothermia yeah. at about 50. You know, really? you, yeah. But I, 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 I was disoriented. Yeah, yeah. So, so fast. You were convulsing. Yeah, but, but so fast. Yeah. In, oh, in yeah. Seconds. I, I couldn't. Oh, in case. Yeah. I. But I'm alive, and that's what what we are celebrating now. <laughs> yeah, so. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we? Uh, what you saw, Mac King? Yeah, yesterday. I saw Mac King yesterday. I was very happy. What a good show. Yeah, You know, if you want to talk about comedy magic, watching Mac from the wings, we did I, Pen and Friends, watching you do that stuff every night. You know, the, the thing you would think is that watching, watching an act the same yeah. every night, that you would get really bored. Every night I watched Mac from the wings, I was just more impressed. It's just layers and layers of just pure quality and skill. 
It's nice to see that. It's for me. Uh, it's perfect magic. Very strong magic. Nor normally, normally, comedy magicians don't do strong magic. Well, actually, normally, the basic rule on comedy magicians is not good enough to be magicians, not good enough to be comedy, not funny enough for yeah. comedy, not good enough for magic. But here, all all the tricks will blow your mind, mm -hmm. and and the comedy is also will make you laugh all the time mm -hmm. and the structure this no. i love structures the structure of the show is perfect with structure <laughs> <laughs> the one thing after the other <laughs> and, and one thing the callbacks callbacks i said that the, yeah, the yeah. callbacks and and uh, for me it's a pleasure to to uh, for This is a pleasure for me. I no. feel slightly uncomfortable, but also really No, great. but if, if you don't know nothing of magic, you should see it because you will love it. You would have so much fun. But if you know some magic or a lot of magic, you will enjoy those details even more. If you, so, if you know everything about magic, uh, if you are no, the top magician in the world watching Matt King, it's, it's just beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. So, so I, I always that come to Vegas, I always go to see his show. I mm. saw you, uh, this, I think it's the fourth time I see you here it's, in it, Vegas. It's very funny because uh, we won't say any, any of the names, don't worry. But we were saying to Hondro, what shows do you want to see? And we suggest one, he would say, seen it. We suggest one, seen it. Suggest someone else, seen it. Matt King, seen it four times, going to go again. <laughs> yes, yes, and and I will go ever. Yeah. So because yeah. because I I I enjoy it. I enjoy it so much. So I think people that come to Vegas have to see. If you like comedy, you have to see. If you like magic, you have to see. What so, I what what always amazes me, uh, and I think I've said this before about you, Mac Mac, to you, and I don't know if I've said it uh, publicly, is that. What's fascinating to me about uh, it always comes back to Bob Dylan is the New York oh, Times. See how I the New York Times talked about when Bob Dylan first hit all the Shakespeare references, uh, all the uh, you know the little bit of Spanish that's in Bob Dylan's songs, all of this stuff being well educated. Um, uh, it all comes down to being a really good high school student. Every, <laughs> everything that Bob Dylan references is taught. In Minnesota high school, yeah. Minnesota high school, uh, he, he was a Spanish Spanish and English major, and all the Shakespeare stuff. It's it's not magic. He paid attention in that, you know. And what kills me about Mac King's structure, the way the whole show is put together, is if you went to a good high school drama teacher, <laughs> had said, "How do you establish character mm -hmm. and plot?" And how do you establish a character and then play against it and then play with it and then let the audience learn about that? How do you do that? Those rules. I mean, we're not talking about you're going to get inspired and all of a sudden it's going to hit you like a diamond bullet in the forehead. We're talking about you've got an assignment. Create a hillbilly character who's doing a magic show. What would you want to do if you do everything absolutely right? The show's really good. <laughs> and that's what kills me about your show. You look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Everything, there's never a moment in it that you go, I don't know what that character's doing. Mm -hmm. There's never a moment in it that you go, I don't know why he introduced that prop. Every single thing 
is is tied together. He's done all the work. No, no, it's uh, and I I admire one thing. I must tell you, I've seen I think all of the shows or many of the shows here in Vegas, and you've done thousands of shows, thousands, but, thousands and thousands. But yeah. it's amazing that when I see you now, yesterday, it's like you are not tired of doing it. You are not a robot. And I, I don't like to see robots doing live shows. No, we, me neither. I mean, that's we know, we that, have we've had that experience with others. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. have had that experience with others, and you know, I mean, part of it is that we've had that experience, and you go, I don't like that. I don't want to do that, mm -hmm. and so that's yeah. Thank but, you. But I, 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 <laughs> I still, but I, but, but, they, but, but it's but, not pretend. Yeah, either because I really do love do doing love, it. Yeah, and, yeah. But and so you, it's, I'm not pretending to love it. You, uh, you know. We notice as an audience, I'm talking as an audience, me seeing you, uh, that you care about the audience. You are doing it for the audience. You are not doing it to finish at quarter past four and go to have lunch. So, well, so I like the energy. I like, I like that. And, and I don't like that in other shows. I've seen that I see a robot do, saying the same thing. And doesn't care what the audience reacts. So that's what I want when I see a performance. Yeah, it is. And I, I've also said this a million times. I'm so amazed at people that work hard enough to get into show business and be good and then uh, lose interest. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand how you can want to go and play golf and do other stuff. I don't even understand. I don't really even understand stand-ups who want to get a situation comedy and get out of stand-up. You know, it's one thing I really understood about Leno. Leno, when he was doing The Tonight Show, would go out every Friday and Saturday mm -hmm. and do right. gigs because he loved doing stand-up. Yeah. He really did. And uh, I also believe that Leno was more present at his stand-up routines than he was at The Tonight Show, you know. Yeah, it's interesting, too, but to, because what you just, one of the things that you said, Hondro, uh, is, uh, you know, it doesn't, some, you see some people and it doesn't matter what the audience does or how they react. And I think a giant part of that is being a good listener, right? Mm -hmm. And what you said about Leno, I mean, I think he, he was a better listener when he was doing stand-up yeah. than he was when he was interviewing people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, and that feeling, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I, I think I've told this before. I'm going to tell that again briefly. When I, uh, when, when I was uh, off-Broadway, Paul Simon uh, came to our show. Paul Simon was uh, a person who was really important. He bought tickets for uh, dozens, maybe hundreds of people to see our show. And he talked us up. As soon as we got in town, Paul Simon was... And Paul Simon had a conversation with me that I still look back on as one of the uh, most important conversations I've ever had. Paul said to me... Uh, I just met him, and he said, uh, you can't see this, but I can. Uh, you're all set. You're going to be able to do whatever you want. You'll be able to do television or movies, or you'll be able to play stadiums, whatever you want to do. You've got that. And he said, you've got this ambition, and you're pushing. And he said, you'll get all that. And he said, you can't see that. You can't believe it, but you're going to get it. And he said, there's one thing you can never ever do again no matter how good you are and that is stand on this stage in a 150 seat theater with teller and be there 
And he said, with all the stuff I've done, I would give anything to be on stage with Artie and just look over at him, look at the lights, look at the audience, and just be there. Not trying to do the next album, not trying to do the next tour, but just be there. So for me, please, once in a while in the middle of the show, when you're trying to be really good and you're trying to get every trick to work and you're trying to get every joke to work and you're thinking about how you're going to do Saturday Night Live and you do Letterman and all the bigger theaters you're going to play, just for a moment, please, look at Teller, look at the lights, look at the audience, and just be there for a moment, because I can never have that again. Nah. <laughs> and every once in a while, I mean, I was actually, last night, I was out doing um, air sax, the opening, you know, and I'm playing the bass, and Teller's playing the sax, and the, and the uh, and, you know, and the magic is happening. And every once in a while, Paul Simon just comes and visits me, and I go, God damn, there's like a thousand people out there, <laughs> and there's a piano player playing, and I'm playing the bass, and Teller's doing magic, and here we are, here in the Penn and Teller Theater, and how can I believe this? How can this possibly be true? Just be here for a second. And then instantly comes back, that's supposed to be a fucking F you. <laughs> you yeah. just played an F sharp. What the hell is wrong with you? Get your mind back in the game. So you've told me that story before uh -huh. about Paul Simon talking to you. And to tie it back to something else, uh, I, I thought that exact same thought. I mean, uh, on Letterman, mm -hmm. standing there. Doing, I got a woman from the audience. I'm doing the aerial fishing trick. Mm -hmm. I got a woman from the audience there. And at one point I go, Hey, remember that Paul Simon thing in my brain? <laughs> I remember that Paul Simon thing. Take this in because you may never be back on Letterman. You may never do this again. This is really cool. Soak this in for a second. And mm -hmm. I, I was able to do that because of. You know, secondhand Paul Simon. Uh. <laughs> and Paul, you know, when he told it to me, made it very clear that he felt he hadn't done that, yeah. you know? And uh, it's really important. Also, just to be able to put, because, I mean, I have, I, uh, you know, I've gotten a lot older. But when I was, uh, was 30 and um, off-Broadway in New York, I was not thinking about anything except what we were doing next, you know, the next bit, the next thing, what we're going to do, what we're going to create, what we're going to do. And Paul just gave me that huge gift that I have now memories of the West Side Arts in New York that I probably would not have without Paul. I probably wouldn't have those. It would just be blank. Oh, then we were trying to get to Broadway. <laughs> what was off Broadway? We were getting to Broadway, you know. <laughs> and uh, he probably gave me that. And, you know, moments on Saturday Night Live that I actually remember. I actually remember being there as opposed to having been there, which is big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can remember what we've done, but remember doing it is a whole different thing and a, a really nice feeling. And Paul was, you know, Paul Simon and Paul Newman off-Broadway were, were everything. You know, they, they both kept their credit cards on file at the West Side Arts Theater. And would just call up and say, these are my four friends that are coming tonight. Get them tickets, please. They just did that. Yeah. I mean, I believe Paul Newman bought over 500 tickets to our show. <laughs> wow. And, you know, Paul Simon, very similar. And Paul Simon's the one that said to Lauren Michaels, put 
put Penn and Teller on Saturday Night Live. Just do it. Wow. And Lauren Michaels called us up and said, Paul says I got to have you on. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and that was also some of our uh, other appearances were just uh, Paul saying, uh, Paul did a Letterman shot, said you should get Penn and Teller on. He was just doing this, I mean, just for no reason except he liked us. You know, we, we weren't even friends of his. He just, you know, just did that. Uh, so yeah, let's add him to the list. Let's tie it in. Yeah, Steve Martin, good guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, polite, hardworking, uh, Paul Simon. Paul Simon just, uh, Paul Simon, I also love this, uh, still takes guitar lessons. Lessons. I didn't know. Yeah. He takes like, um, he, he takes like flamenco guitar lessons. He'll take different guitar lessons because he just likes to uh, keep getting better. Like Johnny Thompson. Uh, Johnny Thompson would do, and I know you think a few minutes, no big deal, but I think it's a pretty big deal that Johnny Thompson did at the end of his life, an hour of close-up practice with cards every day. Just practice, working on new moves. And he was always learning stuff from like 18-year-old guy <laughs> and Ready Rich Delivers <laughs> the Johnny Thompson books. <laughs> We're like the Oprah Book Club. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> wow. So anyway. Look at my tiny little book in the shadows. <laughs> I don't see my book. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Have you got a book out? Of course, I gave it to you. Oh, I know. Ah, you have forgotten it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway, this has been uh, this has been wonderful to have uh, who I consider to be, you know, two of the uh, the greatest magicians in the world on the show here with me. It's pretty great, and two uh, two uh, wonderful friends. But uh, you cannot do you cannot do better than Hondro and Mac for people that make. Uh, Make magic just uh, just terrific, just wonderful. And thanks a lot for doing this. Thank you for that. That was really swell. Uh, and you can see Mac King anytime you're in uh, in uh, Vegas at the Excalibur in the afternoons, which means you can have all your plans all set for Vegas and still see Mac King. That's the thing. I always just add that in. And when people come to town, I go, "Well, this night you'll do this. This night you'll do this. Then what night? What, what afternoon you see Mac King?" And uh, it's it's just uh, I make sure everybody comes to see it. Yes, they mention it now and again. They do mention it now and again. Uh, yeah, I mean many people, many people. I came because of me, partly because of this show too. It's not just you telling them personally. I mean, yeah. on this show, people mentioned Sunday School all the time after after my show. Well, it's a wicked good show, and you'll be able to see Hondro anytime you're in Spain, anywhere. But also in the city of Chicago. <laughs> now go the Chicago. Bears, the Bears. They'll no. <laughs> have to come there to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's holding that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's Don't make spoilers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chicago. Chicago in May or June. <laughs> I still don't know. It's May or June. But well, don't. Get the two months now, so right. save, save the date. Leave them open. Leave yeah, of two course. months open, of course. May or June, yes. to see Hondro in Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> that was Ben Sunday School. That was Ben Sunday School. Cha cha cha. And to listening, you become naked. Ow! Ow! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Mac King, Hondro, Lopez Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe uh, next week we will be back with both Matt Dunn. No, just I don't Matt Donnelly. No Michael Goodell. So next week, special, special, no Michael Goodell. <laughs> you know, we love you. And uh, Matt Donnelly, you have a few, few people to thank, don't you? These are people that help make this podcast possible because they support us on patreon.com slash pen. Big thanks to Dr. Scoop Little, Joseph Mastrangelo, Jeremiah Jenkins, Nate Soloway, Kelly Reeves, Michael Kaplan, Jesse Miller, Alexander Hoffman, Michael Howard, Danny Olwine, Julian Webb, Stephen Volcano, Jim the 22-Year Naked Magician, Scooped Mids, and Paul McBride. Thanks so much. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.